It's Tuesday, February 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, the Director of Small Cap Strategy here at The Motley Fool, Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You're rocking the Carolina blue, kind of. It's kind of in between Carolina and Duke Blue, which is not, which doesn't, oh. I know, which doesn't sit to my loyalties towards one or the other, which is very, very heavily the lighter versus the darker. That's right. Duke lost last night to yeah. Virginia Tech. That's wait, why. wait, wait. What was? I didn't catch that. What did you say? Duke lost. I, <laughs> That's why you get a big smile on your face. Yeah. Uh, also, it's National Pancake Day, and of course, we're going to talk about that. Speaking of smiles, and we're going to talk about the restaurant industry. We we should probably start though with. Uh, with the new Fed chair, Jerome Powell, making his first public appearance since being sworn in as the new leader of the central bank, and um, he did a good job. He gets to yeah. I yeah. was going to say he did do a good job. Although maybe it's a it's a sign of look when you're the head of the Federal Reserve, you're one of the most powerful people in the United States of America. You're one of the most powerful people in the world, and yet. It's clear from how he spent his first public appearance that you don't have complete control over your destiny because he spent it testifying in front of the House That's right. Financial Services That's Committee. That's right. You would think that at some point he would just stop and say, "Hey, hey, think about who you're talking to here." <laughs> no, no, he didn't. The, 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 the gentleman from Kentucky might want to watch his tone. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and he, he could have done that, but he didn't. And um, but and that's good because I think if if there's one I, I think if there's one quality we like to see in whoever occupies the role of uh, chair of the Federal Reserve, and we certainly saw this with Ben Bernanke, and we saw it with Janet Yellen, and we appear to be seeing it with Jerome Powell, the calm. Yeah. Just the just the utter calm. Uh, do you have any initial impressions uh, of Jerome Powell uh, based on today? And at some point, I want to talk about what what kind of challenges he well, is I, facing in the next twelve. I months. think he was yeah he was very calm, and I really appreciated his tone. And he also. I think a lot of the members of of the committee where he was testifying today were attempting to trap him in one way or another to make a policy, uh, you know, a, a policy prediction or state what it was that they were going to do. And he was very clear about the fact that look, the Fed is all about monetary policy, and this is where we are focusing, right? And uh, so every every question it seemed they were trying to push it back to more of a fiscal question. Right. Um, he got a couple of questions about whether or not uh, the recent tax cuts were going to be uh, good for businesses or good for employees. Uh, what the usage of that money was going to be, and he and and he very clearly said that's not something that we track. That's not something that is you know that is something that the Fed should have policy on. In a very polite and distinguished way. That's not my job. Right. <laughs> I should ask you the same question. So, one of the things that has bubbled up, particularly over the last few months, is the question around interest rates and where they are going. Mm-hmm. And it it seems not unreasonable that the rate on the ten-year Treasury could hit four percent. Some people are saying by the end of this year. Some people are saying, "Oh yeah, this could absolutely happen by the end of 2019." I'm not asking for your prediction on that, but I am curious as an experienced investor. We've had a very good run 
as people who are interested in investing in stocks, we've had a very good run of essentially not even having to think yeah. about bonds, unless yeah. you're so late in life that it, the responsible thing to do is to take some of the money that you have in stocks and put it into a safer vehicle. simply not lose. Yeah. But, but now, it seems like a reasonable question, yeah. are bonds more attractive now? For me, no, not yet, not not yet, um, and I, I, I'm not a bond guy, right? I, you know, I focus on stocks and I focus on companies, and you know, I think that there are probably many more uh, qualified people here, you know, even at the Motley Fool, to talk about, um, you know, what your what what the efficient portfolio and what a portfolio should look like. But I th- something that I thought was really interesting today, and and and, and this is a really good reminder. And and uh, one of the uh, one one of the members of the committee asked uh, Powell about the number of rate cuts that would be coming in 2018. And and uh, this uh, the Congress member, Congressman, I can't remember if it was a man or a woman. Um, uh, said, well, the Fed said three, and he said, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. What you're actually hearing when you hear three rate cuts uh, is the average of each of the members of the federal uh, committee. This is what each of them thinks, and we just average it. So there's no Fed policy that says, hey, there's going to be three rate hikes. But on the other hand, the fact that on average, they said that there, you know, that there are three. Suggests that uh, the rate environment that we live in is rapidly changing. In the same way that we have companies that, and Berkshire Hathaway probably the most prominent among them, that don't really engage in quarterly conference calls, that sort of thing. They 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 limit their communication. There was a long stretch of time where the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Whoever it was, gave limited statements. Yeah. Yes, of course, testify before Congress, but there weren't really press conferences, anything like that. Ben Bernanke changed that yeah. by starting the process of press conferences. If you could wave a magic wand, would you go back to those days where you and I and every other investor hears less from the Federal Reserve, or do you think no? This is a situation where more is better. I would say actually that Greenspan was a little bit more of the of of the origin of that, and I think that the the Greenspan CNBC uh, you know cabal you know that they were very beneficial to each other in terms of in terms of building their brands. Uh, I would prefer to hear less from them. Uh, I I do I do think that. Um, look what the markets did. Even you know, even this morning, he made some very benign statements, and the currency markets moved very quickly, and you know, the stock market uh, dipped for a little bit and then came right back because they think that he's making a statement about you know about where currencies are going, right, and what their policy is going to be, how it impacts the dollar, and I don't know that that's helpful to you know to to people. Just do it. Just do it. You know. Although I will say, having them, having, I think that everyone uh, who who has that much power should actually face Congress for questioning from time to time. So, I, I forgot to ask you the most important question, which is, uh, how tall is Jerome Powell? Because I think we we had a, <laughs> if nothing else, whatever else Jerome Powell does during his tenure as chair of the Federal Reserve, he has reversed the trend. Of decreasing height. That's right. Because That's we had we had Volcker 
in the 80s, 6'7", rangy guy. May have been part Yeti. <laughs> may yeah. have been. May, may still be. He has not passed away. He simply is not uh, on the Fed anymore. Yeah, but, but the, part Yeti. But someone published a chart, I remember, when, when Janet Yellen became... Uh, chair of the Fed, and it was sort of the decreasing. The de- and it was just like, hey, look, it's a factual <laughs> chart from Volcker at six seven, then to Greenspan, then to Bernanke, then to Janet Yellen. It is linear, wasn't it? It was linear. Yeah. So, so if nothing else, Powell's I, taller than Janet Yellen. I do love the thought of of taking a completely spurious correlation and making some sort of like prediction based on it. Like you know, on a on a price to height basis, we are decidedly undervalued now. How great would that be if Powell did that? And I don't know anything about the sense of humor, but if you just drop that into an answer and just utterly, you know, confuse the members on the panel, <laughs> a ridiculous question comes in, and he says, "Well, you know, I'm kind of tall," and then goes on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mentioned National Pancake Day, and this is this is relevant for for investors because of the International House of Pancakes, which is under the umbrella of Dine Brands Global. And it used to be a bigger umbrella. Now it's just yeah. Dine Brands Global owns IHOP and they own Applebee's. Right. What is going on with this company? Because in the last three stock, three months, the stock is up about eighty percent. So first of all, I think it's so. This used to be until Wednesday, it was known as Dine Equity, and yes. so they, they 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 came out with this very high and mighty uh, statement saying we're changing our name to reflect our values, and we're now Dine Brands Global, which still doesn't solve the issue that the first word is a verb, but. Um, right. So now apparently it is a much more aspirational uh, brand name than it was than it was previously. These are two um, these are two nameplates where you can say without you know without casting too much aspersion that their best days are probably behind them. Um, but uh, the new CEO. Um, Steve Joyce came in and said, "Look, we're this is a you know th- th- these companies should be built towards uh, maximizing cash on cash return. Uh, they are not to be built on uh, having a great um, claim on you know being a much larger company in the future. We're just going to be as efficient as we possibly can be. We're going to run our restaurants well. We're going to make sure that people have good experiences in them, get good value for their dollar, but we're not off trying to turn Applebee's into the next big thing because that's just not where it is. So, yeah, the stock's gone up a great deal, I think because shareholders are somewhat confident that the management sees the company for what it is. And that is actually somewhat rare amongst companies, you know, because the CEO has a huge amount of pressure and a huge amount of incentive to, you know, put the blinders down and say, no, 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 we're a growth company. It is refreshing. And, yeah, I think those are two restaurant concepts, and there are plenty of others out there. But those are two restaurant concepts where you just sort of plenty think, of others. <laughs> but where you just, as as an investor, you look at them and you just think, "What's your throughput like?" Like that would be my number one question. What right. is the, how high is the throughput right now, and how what are your plans to make it higher? How yeah. are you turning over the tables? How are you? What is your plan for increasing comps? And it, I could be wrong, but it seems like IHOP is the path forward there of the two. Uh, well, I was saying before we started taping, I've been to Applebee's a handful of times. Um, it's it's never been a, an amazing experience, but it's also never been a bad experience. Yeah. Uh, whereas IHOP, 
It's all over the map. Oh, I was going to say, IHOP, is, IHOP delivers. Come on. IHOP delivers, yeah. IHOP totally delivers. That's right. You're getting your $4.50. Say what you want about pancakes. They are not, they are not expensive to produce. They're not expensive to produce. They are, um, you know, they are filling. <laughs> so let me go back to something because I, everything you said about the new CEO, I, I find interesting and refreshing, which makes me question the name change because to 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 go from Dine Equity to Dine Brands Global, well, that has me thinking. That seems like a deck chair, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, unless they actually do plan. Acquisitions in the future. If if they if they rolled that out and said, "Here's our new name," and by the way, we've got a five year plan mm-hmm. to increase the throughput, to raise our comps, and in the next five years, yeah, we're gonna we don't have the amount of cash on hand that Uncle Warren has in Omaha because we were talking. Because who does? We were nobody does. Yeah. But we were talking yesterday about just how it really seems like he's itching to buy something. Yeah, but. But if they had a five-year plan that said, "No, we're absolutely looking to grow our global footprint," well, that that would make me understand the name change yeah. more. I'm going to ignore that question just for a second sure. to, uh, to to talk about. I we think, all should. <laughs> what may be the coolest thing about their recent, uh, you know, their, their 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 recent bump up, which is they came out and said that one of the things that's helped Applebee's a lot is their one-dollar Long Island iced teas. Right, that that's been something that's been very helpful, and they call it a disruptive value offer. Now, they aren't clear on what they're disrupting. <laughs> I think they're probably disrupting their clients' next couple of days. You know, if that's <laughs> I'm pretty sure we talked about that on Motley Fool Money at the end of 2017, because I'm pretty sure that was a wasn't that a promotion in December? Yeah, that's my memory. That Long they said, they said all month long. And I don't know if they expressly said we're going to help you get through the holidays yeah. by just getting you plastered on one one yeah. dollar Long Island iced teas, <laughs> but that seemed to be the underlying promise. You could see you could see the corporate discussions now. Okay, should we do blockchain? No, I got a better idea. Cheap booze. It's either or. <laughs> you know what? I have a lot more respect for them for going the cheap. I've got a lot. Route. Yeah. If, so, they, if they came out with a, and we've seen this from other companies, if they came out and said, "We're changing our name from Dine Equity to Dine Brands Blockchain," that's right. <laughs> and we're Applebee's, IHOP, and we're standing up a blockchain division. Come on. Yeah. No. It, dumber things have been suggested, and not uh, that long ago. Um, one of the things that uh, the, the global thing I think is probably the most important word because it has traditionally been the case that IHOP was somewhat poorly named because they you know the I in IHOP basically meant the United States and Canada but they have suggested they are opening new restaurants through their franchisees and it's a pretty good mix of the U.S. and overseas and I think that of the two brands. IHOP is the more differentiated of them, and the one that has the most equity in it, and it probably has the most uh, the most breadth internationally. Where do you think we are with the restaurant industry right now? Because about a year ago, you could start to look out and see the cracks for a number of different publicly traded restaurants, and 2017. As a group, it was not a great year no, for restaurants. No. When you look at the restaurant industry right now, what do you see? I see still a pretty substantial generational shift. I see an enormous amount of restaurant installed base that is based on the quick serve, uh, sit down model, where 
anyone who is 34 and below, by and large, are favoring much higher input quality and much lower interaction. Like glorified takeout or the Chipotle model. You know, there's a restaurant here in town that's called a chain called Cava, which is going gangbusters. And I would love for them to be public instead of private. And it's very much the same thing. Like you pay eight dollars for an entree and you know full well that the majority of the money that you're paying for goes into those ingredients. These are the kinds of things that are favored now. So the restaurants that are that are caught out in the middle, those chains, and you could, you know, you could list you know, twenty of them. The chilies, the uh, you know, the the uh, Applebee's. Applebee's is definitely one. They they have to shift, right? And and a lot of them are trying, but I think that we're going to find over the next couple of years that some of them will succeed at it, and some of them are just you know they are into the you know they're in the midst of the the long drawn out goodbye. By the way, we talked last week on this show about Texas Roadhouse. And CEO Kent Taylor, it was a year ago at our Fool Fest conference that you conducted a fabulous interview, <laughs> fabulous interview with Kent Taylor on stage in front of a huge audience. And which leads to this question. They said in the most recent quarterly report that they were going to open as many as seven new Bubba's 33 yeah. sports bar concepts. Can you? Give him a call and just see if we can get one in the DC area. Because right now, the closest one is Fayetteville, North Carolina. We could get there. We would probably have a harder time getting home. I think we could take an Uber home. I don't know that the you know the designated pro- driver protocols. I will. I'll reach out to Ken. The inter- the other interesting thing about Texas Roadhouse is that they are rolling out lunch. Some of their oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, they have always been a dinner only place, and they are actually looking at, you know, and, and testing offering lunch. Not dessert, though. No, <laughs> that was the greatest. I want you to eat your dinner and get the hell out. A <laughs> um, uh, programming note uh, the rest of the week on Market Foolery uh, is going to be Australia week because tomorrow we're going to have Scott Phillips, who's here in Full HQ, and uh, on Thursday, I don't even remember the last time this guy was in the studio. Uncle Joe Mager oh, man. is also on the premises. And speaking of Australia, this seems as good a way as any to wrap up. Dateline Brisbane. Uh, and thank you to Bill for sharing this. Uh, this is this, head- this is the headline from the Daily Mail, which is a, a, a UK publication, big circulation. Here's the headline: Dateline Brisbane, Australia. Former Freemason, fifty-one. Found drunk and naked inside a huge pipe organ with a toy gun and remote-controlled police car, says he got lost while trying to hand out cheeseburgers to the homeless. Okay, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. You could take one fifth of that headline and put it out there, any one fifth, and it would still be awesome. Handing out cheeseburgers to the homeless. I want to I know about the toy gun. I want to know about. Because Freemasons, I understand to be, you're a member for life, and he's a former Freemason, which suggests to me that this guy has, he's got bad choices in his blood. I think so. If at some point the the Freemasons said, <laughs> "This is a guts to go situation for you," how do you start by bringing cheeseburgers? Okay, okay, maybe is, is there an, is there an Applebee's in Brisbane? Maybe he went to the. Uh, 
He got a, he had a few a few too many one dollar Long Island iced teas, and then let's we, let's start with the positive. That's nice. That is nice. Handing out cheeseburgers to the homeless. That's a that's a good hearted gesture. Yeah. Now nobody's s- saying this is a bad guy. Some well, no, no one's <laughs> saying that part isn't good. But somewhere on the path to handing out uh, cheeseburgers to the homeless, um, he managed to get himself very drunk, uh, very naked, um, and inside a huge pipe organ, uh, which which again, which he apparently destroyed. <laughs> which tells us that he's on some level physically fit because pipe organs that's a large that's a large instrument. Yeah. Yeah, I I think we should be less mad than impressed. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I'll bring this up to Scott Phillips tomorrow and just see what he thinks. <laughs> you know what he's going to say? Queensland. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, cuz cuz Scott's from Sydney, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that may be that may be a rivalry thing there. Um, Bill Mann. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.